0: Bedlam one final time. There's one Oklahoma, and it ends with state. Texas outlasts Kansas State in what became a thriller that was not very close in the beginning. Kansas and West Virginia show a very nice touch of quality, and UCF and Houston score some big victories. This is the Big 12 Watch. I am your host, Josh Neighbors. It is Reaction Sunday here on Crystal Ball College Football, part of the 365 Sports Network. Make sure you guys find us wherever you all get your podcasts like the video subscribe to the channel Uh, leave your comments below your big takeaways from this past saturday in the big 12 conference also too, follow us on twitter slash x at nw pod 365 guys at josh neighbors underscore that's that's where you have to be uh my big 12 best bets come out on saturday so there's thursday action ever i'll give you all a lean but saturday morning bread bread truck big 12 picks this week another five in one week we're now 34 and 19 against the spread in big 12 games this season that's 64 i'd venture to say you would have a tough time finding picks that strong anywhere else um and look i've been worried about some of these spreads but still just if you watch these games i know a lot of you all do uh you know you get a pretty good lean on these and i even accidentally put kansas minus three uh it was, it was supposed to be kansas plus three But Kansas minus three even hit on the week as well, too. So, uh, alternate spread uh, on that one. Kansas laying points, they still get the job done. But what a Saturday in the Big 12 conference. I put it out there on X slash Twitter um, after the first four games. And we checked in. If you checked in on this Big 12 schedule about six o'clock last night, all right, uh, you had three games or four games actually decided by a total of nine points two of them went to overtime obviously two of them ended up uh, one team holding off the other one ended on the last play of the game with a two-point conversion you'd say k-state's ended the last play of the game too there's a lot of discussion there but this conference with texas and oklahoma and without texas and oklahoma still delivers really compelling games every single week and look do we want texas to know you to win the big 12 this year No, we don't. It's not necessarily desirable, right? Um, But I do think that it is additive to have them in the league this year. And also the storylines that they bring, I thought yesterday was a bit more compelling because of the, they are on the way out storyline that was playing out yesterday. And it was almost two significant blows dealt to those two schools, but we saw Texas get a really strong win. So Uh, we'll get to this action we have to you know let's just let's just get right into it right but from a holistic standpoint you know there were a lot of good games across the country yesterday Um, but I think in terms of overall quality and closeness and competitiveness like still nobody rivals this conference because this conference has become a really strong collection of coaches of programs of teams that are In a similar neighborhood, right? And uh, that means, you know, I think for Kansas and Oklahoma State, right? Like the top 20 neighborhood, even K-State, I throw them in there too, right? They were bad most of the day, but end up, you know, pushing Texas to the brink, right? Oklahoma's in that neighborhood as well uh, this year too. Uh, So, you know, that kind of, you have to throw them in there. West Virginia, obviously the strong season. Iowa State's been strong at times too. Just that middle class, a healthy middle class to upper middle class of the league, Has ensured really fun competitive games, even Thursday night's game between Texas Tech and TCU. I would say that's like that's bottom of the middle class, right? Almost lower part of the league. Those games are competitive and fun, but let's get right to it. All right. There is one Oklahoma and it ends with state. That is what Ollie Gordon said on his way into the locker room 27 24. Oklahoma State tops Oklahoma. And what is the last version of of Bedlam that we are going to see for a long time. And uh, this this game was not as high-scoring, maybe, as it felt like it was heading towards. Defense got some big stops for both sides there in that second half. And also, too, I want to shout out uh, or just mention the the officiating because I think this has to be mentioned. So in the Texas and Houston game, I had said that, hey, look, like, uh, the referees messed it up and it was in the favor of Texas. I thought on that one run play, Texas, uh, uh, Houston had heading towards Texas end zone that they clearly got a first down off of that, uh, that missed mistake from the referees. What did Houston do? They called a bad play, right? So I would say same thing applies here like officiating mistakes happen in football, they happen in all sports, right? Um, and I don't think the fix is in. I think with that call, you can obviously see that the fix is not there to hurt Texas uh, in this situation, right? It helped Texas in the one yesterday. Pass interference was not called; they missed it. They missed it. All right. Um, you know, I was watching Missouri and Georgia. I had eyes on that game as well, too. I had the double box uh, happening on YouTube TV, and you know, you saw a similar type situation where a missed pass interference call was happening, favors one side. Like it was not a mistake right? Or it was a mistake. And, uh, you know, that's what happens in football. And so it's all about how you overcome adversity. I don't think it was home cooking from the referees that caused it, but it's a bad miss, right? And it's a late in the game. It's a critical spot. Oklahoma fans, you deserve to be upset. You really do. Oklahoma fans do have a bone to pick here. I will totally agree with that. While you do have a bone to pick, we can't put this all on officiating, right? This is not just on the officials in this game. Oklahoma State, I'm not going to say largely outplayed them, but was on their caliber all day long. And these teams actually, honestly, the final numbers end up very similar. I mean, they were pretty uh, similarly not as good on third down or, you know, average on third down. Uh, Oklahoma was 0 for 2 on fourth down. The yardage ends up being in the same neighborhood as well. They were de- uh, almost dead even in passing yards. Uh, The rushing category, you know, uh, Oklahoma State was not as efficient, uh, you know, rushing efficiency and red zone efficiency. The big key in this game, though, right? Oklahoma State was five for six in the red zone when it came to uh, scoring, right? And then Oklahoma was two of two. So whenever Oklahoma State got into the red area, they were cashing in. And the other big thing I would mention in this game as well is this that I thought Oklahoma would key in on Ollie Gordon. They did. Ollie Gordon had a nice game, but we're talking about rushing efficiency, right? 33 carries for 137, longest of the day was 35. This is a player that we've seen break some huge runs during his Heisman, you know, definitely a Heisman run at this point in time. But this is a player that we've seen break some pretty significant runs over the course of the last uh, month or so, right? And Oklahoma did a pretty good job of keeping a bottle on that. I thought Oklahoma State did a pretty good job of sticking to the game plan. But in the passing category, I thought Alan Bowman was pretty good. Uh, I, I thought Alan Bowman was able to keep the chains moving. And here's the thing. When you watch him escape and scramble, like he can throw on the move. But I thought he made a lot of good decisions about when to get rid of the football. I thought his veteran savvy is what helped him in this game. And I was listening to the cover three breakdown of this contest after it ended, uh, you know, uh, last night, Bud Elliot, Tom Fornelli and Chip Patterson. And I thought an interesting point was made by Bud Elliott. He said that Oklahoma state knows who they are. And I would generally say that is true. I think they did a little bit better of a job today, though, in the passing category. And look, they, you know, did they throw for a bunch of passing touchdowns? No, like that wasn't a a whole lot of the bag here in this game, but they were able to move the ball pretty effectively through the air. And I thought Bowman, this was one of his better performances, right? And that's a guy who's bounced around. But the one reason why you go with him, one reason why he is your quarterback is that veteran stability, that decision-making. And he did not put the ball, I thought, in harm's way too many times today. Uh, And I thought he made a lot of good decisions. I thought the offense obviously is pretty confident with him. They know what they are. Look, if they try to punch above their weight class, like if they play Texas today, I would be very skeptical of how that game goes for them, right? Because what does Oklahoma State do? Well, run the football. Who runs the ball on Texas? Dylan Gabriel and nobody else has. Um, so you're kind of like, okay, how does that matchup go for them? Sure. And like, let's see where Texas is at the end of the season. But this team knows, okay, if we're going to be punching above our weight class, you know, in terms, and I don't think they were, I don't think they're, I don't think Oklahoma is much better than them. But like we, you know, like are still our best play is to stick to the game plan, right? Our best play is to keep this ball, uh, you know, and and try to move the sticks as much as we can, right? And Alan Bowman scores in the ground in this game as well. So once again, able to move a little bit on the ground. Um, but like, you know, you felt the momentum sw- swings, it's what you want to see in a rivalry game. And then it was close in the fourth quarter, and uh, Oklahoma is ahead. You see Oklahoma State. You know the, the big thing for them is they close out the fourth quarter a little bit better. They get the you know final stop there in the end, obviously too. I was pretty worried when the ball was heading back to Oklahoma's way, but for Oklahoma State getting the job done, defense is not excellent. All right, it's not a great defense, but they're able to get enough stops, enough stops in this game to get the win. And look, guys, this is still an unbelievable turnaround, right? From going, uh, you were in a spot where honestly, the guy who's, you, know, you didn't honestly, you didn't actually have a quarterback, right? Like you did not have a quarterback. You had three of them and uh, you lost to South Alabama by 26 points. And I actually followed that up by you picked your quarterback. I think they picked the quarterback in that game, uh, Iowa state game. And you lose that game. Right? So like, this might be a pretty average uh, Oklahoma state season. And you look at them now, man, I mean, they're seven and two. Uh, they are tied for sole possession of first place in the big 12 conference. They've got three games left that are challenges, right? And and they need to make sure that they don't drop down because the issue for them is, you know, if Iowa state stays, they are like, that's a tiebreaker. We'll see where the tiebreakers go. They have the win over Oklahoma too. And they do have the win over Kansas, which is big, right? So that, that's pretty significant. Actually, they have the win over Kansas state too. So they have a lot of the tiebreakers taken care of the next level down, right? The only one they do not have is Iowa state. Um, so you know, that's, that's the only thing there, but Oklahoma state's like in, in fantastic position to go to the big 12 championship game. And if you look at the teams that they've KO'd along this run, like, had they been one way traffic, had they been blowouts? No, but they're winning these really good, close games, you know, uh, after the Iowa state loss, they beat Kansas state by. They've got a couple road challenges here. And I'll tell you what, like at UCF and at Houston becomes a bit more interesting because both those teams have now secured victories. And, uh, you know, those are games those folks need. So, I mean, you you could see a situation where a new Big 12 school is hurting a old Big 12 school. uh, And ironically enough, it'd be UCF and Houston, uh, who both had shots to uh, UCF to beat Oklahoma and Texas almost lost to Houston. Uh, But Oklahoma State, not all the way pole position, right? But they are tied at the top of the league with Texas. They've got significant tiebreakers over teams below them. They are, with three games left to go, they are, uh, without a doubt, one of now the two favorites to make the Big 12 championship game. And that is very exciting, in my opinion, considering where they were and where they are now. And they are doing it off the back of a star-making performance by their running back, Ollie Gordon, which also obviously is incredibly exciting. All right, so let's go to Texas escaping disaster. And I mean disaster for the University of Texas. I'm not saying I think it's a disaster. Um, This game, when you watch this game, the fact that it went to overtime, the fact that it felt like at one point K-State would win as Texas wins 33 to 30 at home, uh, it's pretty appalling. I I mean, Texas dominated this game. This was not a particularly competitive game in the latter stages. The one thing Texas has built now, and I tweeted this out and I I maintain this, is they are an incredibly physical team. Steve Sarkeesian has done a very good job of building a really physical group that gets after you and is able to stop the run. Um I'm not sure about sack numbers, whatever you know, they were in that category, but like they are, especially up front, they are physical. They can be had in the back end, but a very physical group up front, right? And on offense, they've got all of these awesome playmakers. It's Worthy, Brooks, Mitchell. I mean, they have all of these guys. And A.D. Mitchell has been awesome this season. All these guys have stepped up and are playing really high level of football. And in that second half, they had two just horrific turnovers, and Kansas State, being the quality team and good program they are, will say, thank you very much, we'll take that, and we'll cash it in for six, right? They had a stretch at one point where three of their last four offensive plays went for touchdowns, right? They had a drive finishing touchdown. They forced a, a interception and scored in one play, I think, and then the fumble they scored in two after, I believe. It might be flipped on those, but whatever happened on those drives, I'm just trying to remember off the top of my head and all honestly, and Kansas state could have been leading in the game because uh, they, they missed up. They messed up the snap on the, uh, the extra point, right? So they messed up the snap and it could have been 28, 27. I will say this though. The one thing I like, Texas was able to go back to the running game on the, the next drive when it was tied 27, all and get that thing right down the field and get three points. So, I think the fact that in a game where the tide is turning, you can run the football to the effect that Texas did, that to me signals something that while whatever is happening in this game might be going on, right, you can still do something like impose your will to move the ball and get a score. I would say that also, too, you know, uh, Houston's defense physically was up to the challenge when they played Texas and something similar happened there, right? That one late drive. When uh, Malik Murphy came in the game, they were able to move the ball down the field by running the football and getting the points. I think it was a touchdown there. I'm It was a touchdown field goal, but getting the points they needed to go ahead and take the lead in that game. So the fact that you saw that take place once again, signals something, the issues for them are between like, it's just that middle portion of the game. Red hot in the beginning against Kansas State. Red hot in the beginning against Houston, right? Middle of the game sucked. It really sucked. Houston went crazy, uh, and they were moving the ball all over Texas. That wasn't just like, you know, uh, and, and not running the ball. They threw it all over them. And then turnovers here, short fields. Will Howard and company are way, way, way too good. I noticed some cl- complaints. We'll talk more about K-State uh, and Losers Corner tomorrow. But, you know, we're focusing on the winners here. But K-State, they could have... They started moving the ball late. I mean, honestly, in the end of this game, it's Texas 478 yards of offense, K-State 370, but they had to abandon the run game. Guys, they ran the ball uh, 33 times for 43 yards, right? Texas ran the ball 37 times for 230 yards. Um, so I would say this is a, like, once again, this is one of those games though. Texas is, they are improving as a program. Um they are not in show up and just win mode though yet. That's the, the Texas Longhorns cannot do that while their talent is better. They have been defeated and they have been really tested by uh, teams that are, that are not much just like not on the physical level as them. Right. And uh, it's funny because their domination is, you know, people said this team has been too soft for way too long. Right. But Bo Davis was right. When he had that video a couple years ago, yelling right uh, about you know, hey, some of y'all are too soft. Like that's not the problem anymore. The problem is they've got cornerbacks and quarterbacks and running backs. You know, the backs, right? The the backs players are making mistakes. Uh, You know, the guys, you know, who are um, uh, ends, right? You know, uh, uh, guards, guys, the guys who have their names and you know, tackles, right? Those guys are the ones who are a mess. uh, Not uh, taking them right now. Those are the guys who are carrying this team right now. So that's a good place to be winning because it always gives you a chance to win if you're good enough. And look, Malik Murphy, was he perfect today? No, but especially early on, he made a lot of really good throws. I will say this, like you watch Texas quarterbacks and um, some of those reads, man, are predetermined. Like they are telling you, hey, man, go go here. This is where we want you going with the football before. And as the game gets more challenging, uh, it it gets more challenging for the quarterbacks, right? But uh, I, I think it's pretty safe to say like Sark does a good job Of accommodating quarterbacks the problem is it's like you have to basically take the training wheels off at some point right you can't ride the bike for them like you can't take the training wheels off and then toss them the bike and be like here we go and i think that's texas problem at quarterback uh i think that's a pretty proclaimed uh you know a a pretty obvious problem at quarterback all right so kansas stays strong uh, also, Texas, I mean, pole position to win the Big 12 at this point, right? Uh, to be in the Big 12 championship game, not win the Big 12 outright, but be in the Big 12 championship game at TCU, at Iowa State, at uh, and then Texas Tech at home. And then tiebreak situation, they don't have it against Oklahoma. They have it against KU. Um, they have it against K-State. And I'm trying to think nobody else there, right? So Texas, uh, too, also still very, very firmly in the Big 12, in the college football playoff title race, right? They are right there in that. A lot of hurdles ahead of them. Good news for them is uh, Alabama will play Georgia. Uh, Oregon should play Washington again, right? So you're hoping those two teams, if you're Texas, KO each other uh, in the process. Michigan does play Ohio State. So if you make it there and you win the championship, and the good news is for you too, Michigan and Ohio State both cannot go to the championship game, right, Uh, in the Big Ten. One of them will have to go. So Texas still in pretty good position surviving they now have two games on the road at tcu and then iowa state can sunny Dykes get the team up for that one and then iowa state too jack trice will be rocking although kansas goes in there you know i talked about this and i went with kansas because of that line got anything above three i was going to take it i wasn't necessarily sure they're going to win the game right k-state covered yesterday three and a half it might be one of those situations i mean we had so many tight margins but like picking games in this big 12 you can say, hey, one team covers. We, yeah, yesterday, you know, you have Kansas State covering and losing. You know, you have tight spreads and all these games, like uh, the Oklahoma State game was five and a half. Oklahoma State ends up covering there. Houston was getting two and a half, and they're winning the game outright. And so I was saying, I was like, hey, man, anything above three, three above, I'm going to take it with Kansas. Um, I'm not sure how tight it is, but if you give me anything, a field goal above, I'm going to take it just because of how tight I think this game will be. And Kansas was ahead the entire way they were the better team the entire way. I was concerned after the emotional letdown against Oklahoma, or excuse me, a, you know, a high moment against Oklahoma, right? Uh what they would do coming out and they were fantastic. And at this point guys, you know, Kansas's losses are to the two best teams in the league and I thought they were better than Oklahoma State on that day when they lost them. I thought they should have won that football game. Credit to Oklahoma State for doing it. I mean, they are, they are a gritty football team and you know, I'm not saying Kansas is better. Man, I thought Kansas really could have won that game, and Jason Bean did not protect the ball late, and that cost them. Right? Columbus State so, is so good at making you pay, and they did. Um, yeah, and, and look, I know in this game too, some officiating, right down the sideline. Obviously, we had that one play. I think it was Cartavius Norton who might have been, uh, or Jalen Noll. Jalen Noll. They did not. They, they should have ruled him out of, or, uh, not out of bounds. And um, you know, we, they ruled him out of bounds. That's obviously a tough situation there too, right? Uh, but. That that aside, Kansas played really, really well on the road in a tough spot after a big win. And the Kansas Jayhawks now they got something they did not get last year. They got a seventh win. Lance Leipold is got them on a somewhat linear path. That's shocking. At a place like Kansas, progress it can be up and down. It should be up and down with how difficult it's been with facilities and how tough it is to get guys to go there. And the fact that the number one focus at Kansas is basketball you always hear this on twitter i think it's pretty telling they're always like pack the booth pack the booth and they should be saying that but they have to implore people to get out there to fill that stadium up right because still it's not the primary focus and lance leipold has done a fantastic job uh that fan base is invested and they've got guys that you want to root for right they talk about on every broadcast and i love it devin neal And how he was a recruit that could have gone elsewhere besides Kansas. But he said, no, I want to help build the Kansas football program. And I believe that is incredibly admirable. And I love that about a kid like that. And then you got a kid like Jason Bean who stayed there and now is playing some of the best football of his career, right? A back-to-back wins against Oklahoma and then at Iowa State to get a win number seven, man. I mean, Jason Bean has put himself in, um, you know, like, he's going to be remembered at Kansas, despite the fact that he's not always been the starter. And when he has been the starter, they have a losing record. And I think no matter what happens the rest of the way, like they're probably going to end up his record at KU is going to be uh, a losing record uh, as a starting quarterback. Now, once again, I'm not saying it's all his fault, but to see these guys work their way to this point is really impressive. And Jason Bean last night, not always the most efficient, but effective enough. The rushing attack last night, guys, they were 35 for 74 yards and two scores. If you tell me that Kansas runs a football like that, they probably are not winning the game. The big difference for them this game, the big difference in terms of the score as well too, guess what, folks? It was a pick six. Rocko uh, Beck was picked off by Melo Dotson, who took it back the other way for a touchdown. That's back-to-back weeks with a pick six. And the big thing was this game got close. It got to a three-point game late. But we saw something happen in this game that Jalen Daniels has done a whole lot of. Whenever a team gets back into striking distance, whenever a game seems like it's in beginning to come and uh, you know in flux, he drives them down the field and gets them a touchdown. And this happened, uh, you know, late in the game. They didn't drive down the field. They hit an 80-yard touchdown pass, and there was it was Lawrence Arnold, um, not a coverage bust, but it was one-on-one coverage, and the defender falls over. Uh, you know, when Arnold, catch, Arnold beats him, but Arnold. Catches it, goes on to the end zone. And I mean, they had to have that play, right? Offense was kind of stymied at that point and they got that touchdown and that was able to, you know, allowing them to pull away in this game. And so you have a, if you have a situation where a player like this or a team like this does not run the football effectively, I'm not saying K is a one trick pony, but like if Kansas can't run the ball effectively, what usually happens for them, right? They lose the game. Um, we saw it against Texas, and Texas is a really good team, obviously, but they lose the game. They, they lost that game, right? Not here. Not here. They're able to make enough big plays on both offense and defense to see through a win, get win number seven, and keep on keeping on. And so, look, are they going to make the Big 12 championship game? Uh, it's going to be difficult for them to do that, right? The two losses they have, Texas, Oklahoma State. Those two teams are ahead of them, so that is difficult. But they've got Texas Tech next at home. They've got K-State at home after that. And then they're at Cincinnati. Yeah, this this thing should be at least eight wins. This this should be at least an eight-win season, which would be another massive victory for Kansas Jayhawks football. That cannot be overstated enough. Right? And I'm almost at the point now where, um, you know, if Jalen Daniels gets back, and like we saw this last year, he got back late in the season. If Daniels does come back, I'm not even sure he should be the starter. Like I I think Jason Bean should be your guy the rest of the way and you see what's up with Jalen Daniels back cuz I I am concerned for the kid like not just I'm not about football sense but like his actually like long-term health. Right? Um I think it's really concerning that we hear he didn't practice again even though it sounded like last week he was moving towards a return and this this week he's not. But Kansas man, give them their flowers. Lance Leipold win number. Not just bowl eligibility. We're looking at an 8-win season in the regular season potentially 9 right i mean a chance for 10 if they went out they're a 10 win team in the regular season right but you give them five more uh, four more games right and maybe even five that's it's not out of the realm of possibility i doubt it but hey there's still a lot of football left um you know they got four or five games left and and if they win three of their last you know whatever it is games they're a 10 win football team that is special and this team is special but it's not just one season it's multiple seasons of this that have been really special, right? And so I want to shout them out for that. Uh, Kansas, just unbelievable. Speaking of bowling, we have to give credit to West Virginia, who is going to be playing in a bowl game this season. So this, this is absolutely fantastic, right? I mean, this is a story of West Virginia, where, look, this season's had ups and downs, and you could say, yeah, they should be better than they actually are. But this team has developed i think as a uh, as a unit as like what they do really well right they they've been in some shootouts but it started off the season was where they were kind of the run the football and play defense team. actually that's what they did last night in this game right uh the huge thing for them was you know a good passing night too but they ran the ball for seven yards a tote right uh you, you get you know jaheem white going for uh 146 yards donaldson another 100 yard game He gets to two touchdowns as well, too. Nico Markey all ran the ball well. Two touchdowns from Garrett Green. I mean, this is uh, what Neil Brown's done. I think Neil Brown's at the point now where, like, I'm pretty sure that he should keep the job. And I said this last week. I'm going to say this again this week, right? I don't think Neil Brown's been coaching for his job recently the last couple games. Just because of the way this team has progressed, I want to see him finish this thing out with this quarterback. I want to see him get one more year with Garrett Green and see how good they can be. Do I know they're going to win the league? No. I mean, I don't know that you know at all. But for them, they're at six wins. They've got Cincinnati and at Baylor left. Uh, it feels like they should be favorites in both of those games. They're on the road next week against Oklahoma. That is not a, uh, you know, they will not be favored in that game, obviously, but it's a game that they can win. And so when I think about this team, they have developed a quarterback very well. Garrett Green's getting better, and this offensive line has been really good as well this season. They've got two very strong running backs, and so look, they want to run the football. It's still their identity, but they can move the rock passing the ball. And look, I know BYU has a backup quarterback in a thirty-seven to seven win. Uh, you know, I, I think that's it's important to note. But this game was never close, and it shouldn't be close against a team like BYU with a backup quarterback and. Actually, at the beginning of the season, I think this game would have been close because I don't think West Virginia was this version yet. They are improving. They are getting better. And also, too, like they are rebounding from loss as well. Right. They go on the road last week and they beat UCF by two scores after losing back to back games, one off a Hail Mary and one getting pounded in the mouth by a Heisman candidate, which like I'm not going to blame them too much, but it does happen. You know, It happens. That's still a tough loss, though. And then they you know, they roll off 13-point win. I mean, the guys, they've scored 78 points in the last two weeks against UCF and BYU, yes, but like that's the way it should be. This game was never close. West Virginia gets a blowout. I mean, West Virginia blowing out BYU to get bowl eligibility on November 4th was not what I thought about this season for them. So, Neil Brown deserves a lot of credit. Um, this team is not out of the Big 12 championship picture yet. Bad news for them is they do have a loss to Oklahoma State. The good news for them is uh, is that they have got chances against Oklahoma or a chance against Oklahoma. But once again, the thing for them is the, th- the weird part for them is they have not played too many teams towards the top of the league. Right next week is their next kind of big chance. So that Penn State game, you know, they had a lot of challenges earlier on. Like the schedule looked really hard and kind of ended up being this weird schedule for them. But they grinded out victories in the beginning they're not having to grind as much anymore. Two wins against two teams that they were better than. And look, you could argue UCF's roster is actually kind of like a little bit better than West Virginia's at like a lot of the skill position players, but in the trenches, West Virginia was better. And also too, these skill players for West Virginia are really coming along as well. There's development there at the spots that you were most concerned about, right? There's development in the areas where you're saying, hmm, uh, why aren't there good West Virginia wide receivers anymore? What about West Virginia running backs now? they've got thunder and lightning back there, right? Jaheim white is the speed. Donald sends the punch and greens a spark and he's doing it with both. And it's almost like West Virginia, West Virginia's offense is kind of like what UCF hoped their offense would be, uh, which I think is pretty refreshing to like, it's kind of a cool thing to see that it's almost headed in the direction that we, you know, we didn't really think it would. Right. And, Devin Carter has been huge for them as a transfer. Uh, you know, th- this has not been like the, the best, obviously, receiving core. But Preston Fox has been big for them. The sophomore has been really good. Uh, EJ Horton, another strong game from yesterday. And look, strong games for them passing wise, a little bit different than what you're seeing for other teams. But they're spreading the ball around, running effectively, took care of business, you know, and now they're on to the next one, right? And they got a big game against Oklahoma next week. And so uh they've got a chance. They've definitely got a chance. With the way OU is playing right now they've got a huge chance Uh, getting upset one week, losing a rivalry game the next week. They might be mad at home. Yes, but you, uh, you have been doing the thing. Well, that has worked well against them running the football and uh, you know, Oklahoma held up pretty well against the run this past week, but can you keep holding up that? Well, if teams are just kind of continually leaning on you the way they have been, I think it's an exciting question to have answered. All right. uh, UCF gets on the board of the win a back and forth 28-26 victory against Cincinnati. So we'll shout out UCF really fast. This was a game, uh, once again, I I, I bet Cincinnati in this, or I uh, bet Oklahoma, uh, UCF in this game. They are the one team yesterday that did not cover. I uh, covered. I thought they should have covered in this game. RJ Harvey, the big story, 20 for 164 and three scores. The Cincinnati defense at this point in time is just having a really rough go uh, of it. They're not holding up the way they did earlier on in the season. And so you do feel for the Bearcats just a little bit. They're 2-7 and now. But for UCF, John Rice Plumlee was not excellent in this game, just barely above 50%, but you don't have to be when you run the football as effectively as they did. Uh, And this game was a bit back and forth for a while, right? Third quarter, uh, Cincinnati ends up taking the lead. R.J. Harvey puts uh, UCF back ahead. UCF able to grab an eight-point lead. And then you get Kiner scoring on a five play 80 yard drive to make it 28 to 26. They need a two point conversion to try and tie. It does not tie there with 127 left to go. That's the end of the game. So Cincinnati fighting this game. This, this felt like more of an American conference game, right? Because it's two American teams, but you can just tell the quality not all the way there, Big 12 quality just yet. I will say, though, UCF uh now they've got win number what is that win number four for them on the season now so they've got three games left oklahoma state texas tech on the road and houston Uh houston's like a decent team i actually think out of all four of the new schools houston to me while they've gotten curb stomped in a couple games they're i think they're the best like on a week on a given week it feels like when they hit their peak they're at their best um right the west virginia win like they they've gotten multiple wins now over remaining big 12 schools right they almost beat texas so i think i kind of look at that school as the best out of all of them but ucf gets a uh their first big 12 win the thing is it came against uh american team It's still a big 12 win but you're looking for them to score victory next against a actual you know like a a remaining big 12 team You don't say actual and look they've been close right that game against UCF or a game against uh, Oklahoma. They were very, very close. So UCF gets the win. Credit to them. And then Houston gets an exciting 25, 24 victory over Baylor on the road. Good Lord, Baylor's disaster. But Houston, hey, man, still in this thing, still fighting. They're one win away from hitting that over on the total. I have a Houston uh, over four and a half uh, total wins on the season. Next week against Cincinnati, a chance to do it oklahoma state the following week and you see after next week i don't know if dana holgerson saved his job if they go to a bowl game i figure he should considering what other teams in their spot have done this year but if they go one and three in the next three games like i threw out that 41 to nothing loss against k-state because they have the big win uh against west virginia you know on the hail mary they then have the really close loss to texas they then have to go on the road to K State, which like K State was peaking. So I kind of think that happens. And they responded well by going on the road and beating Baylor, who's down this year. But they, hey man, they get the two point conversion at the end of the game. And like, were they significantly better than Baylor in this game? No, they were not. Uh, they actually ran the ball 4.1 a carry, which is not great, but so much better for them. You see Donovan Smith get in the end zone at the end of the game. And like Donovan Smith's, uh, I mean, you know, good with the bad in this game, but he's an actual, like, he's like, he's a quarterback. Like, this is a, this is a, passable and it's air raid too and i think donovan's not always been the best passer but i'm glad they married the passing and the running in this game um they were able to use donovan's legs in this game which is refreshing to see and then also too it was nice to see them uh be able to get uh or be able to use some different targets because they've still they're still out some of the right wide receivers right i don't see man jack i don't think he played in this game and also to uh forgetting the other guy's name, uh, but I think a different wide receiver out too. So they fight through that and get the win. Baylor now is up against it, probably not going to a bowl game at all at three and six. Houston's still alive for a bowl game now, but this was a fun, exciting back and forth game. Uh, you kind of expected it to be more big 12. Defenses did show up here just a little bit more than I think that we thought they would. There was some mistake making that happened in there as well, too. Um but yeah, I mean, Houston gets to win that Baylor, right? So you've collected now wins against West Virginia and Baylor. You're starting to climb that ladder, right? Like out of all the schools this year in the Big 12, out of the remaining, you know, I, I, I've, I think Houston's maybe been the most frustrating, but I would still say too, like they are still having a level of success that some of their partners have not, right? They've got two Big 12 conference wins. And some of my frustration with Houston actually came from the non-conference excuse me, uh, that, you know, that, that, uh, that rice game massively frustrating, right? At Texas tech, the offense just kind of cutting off the second half, frustrating Texas game. You were right there uh, in that one K state game, right? One way traffic, but still like there's, um, there's reason to be excited about what Houston can do. And I think the level of player they can attract there as well too. And I think the financial investment is going to be there. There you go. There's my breakdown of this week. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at NWPod365, at Josh Neighbors underscore. Find the show wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube as well. All right, folks. We'll catch you tomorrow in Loser's Corner. Leave your uh, likes. Leave your comments on your big takeaways as well. We'll see you next time.